All right. It's good to see you today. Hope that you had a good weekend. Thank you for joining us for our Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin. And uh, we're jumping right back in. We're uh, finishing uh, the account of King Ahab in 1 Kings. So uh, we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 22, and then we're going to go to 2 Chronicles 17 through 20. So 1 Kings 22, 2 Chronicles 17 through 20. All right. So it's this is... An interesting end, I think, to King Ahab's life. Remember, we talked about he was not a good king. He was king of Israel, the northern kingdom. Um, and uh, kings, um, both both kings, first and second kings, focus more on the northern kingdom than the southern kingdom. The chronicle uh, chronicles focuses more on the southern kingdom, um, and so so we're going to see a little bit of overlap today. Um, but first uh, kings. 22 um, is the death of Ahab. Uh, and it, it starts with a kind of a, an alliance between King Ahab, uh, the king of the northern kingdom, and King Jehoshaphat, uh, the king of the southern kingdom, king of the kingdom of Judah. And the uh, King Ahab wants to go and he, he wants to, to, take battle to the Syrians. All right. And so, uh, King Jehoshaphat, uh, is, is open to that idea. Um, but you'll see in chapter 22, as you read in, uh, verse eight, um, uh, Jehoshaphat wants to consult God. He wants to consult the prophets. Um, and, uh, and he says, so the king of Israel said to uh, Jehoshaphat, there is still one man because Jehoshaphat had said, Hey, isn't there a true prophet that is not that is not partial, right? Uh, King Ahab brought like 400 prophets and they all said, Oh no, you go and attack. Everything will be just fine. Um, basically they were yes men. Um, and Jehoshaphat said, there's got to be someone who's not just a yes man, who's a prophet. And, um, King Ahab said, there is still one man, uh, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, who by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. This is King Ahab saying, but I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. <laughs> I love that. So King Ahab hates the guy, not because what he says is wrong or that he says lies. It's just that he says things that King Ahab doesn't want to hear. He tells King Ahab what's really going on. He calls his evil acts evil. And uh, this is so important. Our, our culture, we're just a bunch of King Ahabs, right? We just, we don't like to hear anything, um, that, that goes against our, our ideas, our thoughts. Certainly don't want to hear anything that is, is critical. Um, and, you know, and there are times that people are being critical just to be critical and they are not accurate. Uh, but, but we need, I think wisdom says, you know, take all those things that make us uncomfortable, that maybe our initial reaction is to not like and say, wait, where is this coming from? Is this something that's coming from God uh, or, or not? And uh, King Ahab clearly doesn't like the prophet uh, uh, Micaiah because Micaiah is actually a true prophet and will tell the king what is right. And King Ahab is not a good king and has rebelled against God. And the only time he approaches God is just for show. And Micaiah knows that. And so King Ahab hates him. <laughs> 
Uh, so then uh, they send a messenger uh, to go uh, get Micaiah. Um, uh, uh, during this time, there's another prophet, Zedekiah, uh, comes in and, and he he just kind of goes, uh, continues to inflate the ego of Ahab. Uh, he says um, he wears, I mean, it's kind of very theatrical. He wears uh, horns of iron uh, that he made for himself. And he said, with these, you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied, saying, Go up and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. So, again, they are all encouraging King Ahab. No, this is a great decision, king. Go, everything will be fine. Um, then uh, you have the messenger gets to Micaiah in verse 13. And uh, this is what he says to the prophet Micaiah. He says, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord or encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. Right? So basically the messenger is saying, listen, I don't want to hear King Ahab be angry and all this stuff. Just go along with everyone else. Why do you have to speak up and go be the contrarian? Um, again, you know, we, we see this in our culture today, and, and we, you always have to look at the contrarians. They're not always right. Right. You, you can have contrarians that are that are doing it just for themselves. But uh, but it, it doesn't it's important for us not to get caught up into just going with what the popular opinions are. They're not always right. Uh, we need to seek the wisdom of the Lord. And that's exactly what Micaiah says. He says, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, I will speak. So I don't care what those 400 other prophets said. I'm going to speak what the Lord uh, inspires me to to speak. So Micaiah uh, has that at very very bold attitude as he is walking in the Lord, and he comes uh, and basically he tells the the king, he says, "Go, uh, go and do it. The Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king." And uh, so the king uh, said to him, King Ahab, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So you can tell he's like, um, are you just saying this or are you actually being truthful? Um, and then uh, Micaiah says this, he says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord says, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. So Basically, he's saying, you know, I, I've seen that you can go up and you can go and, and uh, attack the Syrians, um, but I, I've seen that there that Israel is like a sheep without a shepherd. Well, what's that saying? Ahab considers himself the shepherd, right? And so Ahab's response is great. He says, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not, not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Right? I mean, Ahab just doesn't like this guy at all, um, and uh, he's just very frustrated with what Micaiah says. Um, verses 19 through 23 is kind of uh, very interesting. It's kind of a little bit of a spiritual dimension going on there of influencing Ahab um, to go and attack because that would bring his death. Um, and uh, it's just kind of an interesting interaction there. Um, in verse 24, you says, it says Zedekiah, um, he's the one that had the horns, um, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek, 
Um, so Micaiah has, is, is sharing, you know, kind of the conversation that God was having and how God was, um, basically, you know, uh, working to, uh, bring Ahab, um, into this battle where he would die. And so Micaiah is saying these things, this other Zedekiah prophet comes up and pulls a Will Smith and strikes Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way did the spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And so he's kind of mocking uh, Micaiah's ability to, uh, to understand the spirit of the Lord. Um, Micaiah said, indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide, right? So it's kind of a, a battle of prophets. Um, you know, Micaiah is a true prophet. Zedekiah is not. Um, so that's all the setup for the battle. And the battle comes, um, both the king of Israel, uh, King Ahab and Jehoshaphat are there. Uh, king Ahab decides to uh, disguise himself. Now, he, he was engaged in the battle, but he was disguised himself because he didn't want to look like a king. Um, because he knew that the Syrians would, were trying to kill the king. And so Jehoshaphat was the one that looked like the king. Um, the chariots come to kill uh, who they thought was Ahab. They find out that it's Jehoshaphat. They actually turn back. They're not going to kill Jehoshaphat. And then a random arrow uh, strikes King Ahab. And that's how he dies. Uh, he's propped up in the, the chariot. Um, you know, the, the battle ends. They it literally talks about them washing off the blood. Um, they, they, you know, just he slowly bled out in the chariot. They washed out the blood and then the dogs came and licked it up. If you remember, we'll go back and look in chapter 21. That was a prophecy of how, uh, Ahab would die. So, uh, verse 37, it says that the king died, was brought to Samaria. And buried in Samaria. Uh, then someone washed the chariot at a pool, and uh, where the harlots bathed, and the dogs licked up his blood. Okay, just interesting. I mean, great storytelling, right? This is just wonderful. And and again, within it, it shows uh, that that God knows what's going on, and that that God is giving people chances. But you know what? Ahab's heart was hardened, and uh, and so he he uh, he ended up paying the price. Um, then, then you continue in, uh, chapter 22 talks about, uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, that he, uh, reigns in Judah. Um, he, uh, it says he did not turn aside from them doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Um, and so now we go to second Chronicles 17 through 20, and it focuses more on Jehoshaphat's reign. So Jehoshaphat was, was king during some of the time overlapping with Ahab. Um, Je- Jehoshaphat reigns in Judah. Um, verse three, uh, it says that, uh, now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. So, Jehoshaphat is a much better king. He is trying to encourage the people to to follow God. Um, he actually sends out uh, multiple prophets to teach the law of the Lord to the people. So he's being very proactive. Um, uh, very very interesting. Um, the the contrast between King Ahab and Jehoshaphat. Then we have uh, chapter eighteen. Chapter eighteen is basically a repeat of. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 22. So it goes all the way through and Ahab uh, dies in battle. Then we have chapter 19 of uh, first Chron- or Second Chronicles. It talks about um, the reforms of Jehoshaphat. 
uh, said, um, see, he, uh, the, then he set uh, judges, this is in verse 5 of chapter 19, then he set judges in the land throughout all the fortitude, uh, fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, take heed to what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you in judgment. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. you. Take care and do it, for there is no inquiry with the Lord our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. Right? So you, you have the, he sets a system of judges to, to keep control in the land, to settle disputes. Um, and I, I love what he says is that you need to be fearful of the Lord, right? That, that the Lord is with you and you need to recognize that. Um, and that the, the Lord is not partial and does not take bribes. Oh man, don't you wish that our judges would follow the same advice? And some do. Um, but you know, how important it is whenever it comes to judging and settling disputes and things like that to have a fear of the Lord. Then it continues to go and kind of, you know, talks about the uh, who's who's in charge of who, who and that the Levites are ultimately uh, in charge. Um, and, uh, and then it gets to the, the end of chapter 19. Um, and I, and I, love, I love what it says here. It says, uh, the ruler of the house of Judah for all the king's matters. Also, the Levites will be officials before you. And then it says this, behave courageously and the Lord will be with the good. Behave courageously and the Lord will be with the good. You know, sometimes we don't stand up for that, what we know is right and the good thing, um, because it, it takes a lot of courage sometimes. It takes courage to, to stand up for what, uh, what God says is good and right when the culture around us um, is saying something completely opposite. Um, and, uh, and so we have to have courage. That courage is rooted uh, in the fear of the Lord, that we have put our trust in him. And then we take that courage with us um, as, uh, each and every day. I, I love that, that line, behave courageously and the Lord will be with the good. Then in chapter 20, you have uh, the, the areas of Ammon, Moab, and Edom. Um, and they come together, and they're going to attack the southern kingdom. They're going to attack uh, Judah. So verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. That's, so he was fearful. He knew they were in trouble. This group of three countries is coming to attack. So his first response is to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of, of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood with the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O God of our fathers, you are, are you not God in heaven? And then he goes out and he, he for the next few verses, it's his plea, his, his asking God. And this should remind you of when Solomon dedicated the temple. And he said, the temple is a place where when our enemies surround us, that we come and, uh, and we seek God. So Jehoshaphat is following that. Um, and uh, starting in verse 12, uh, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Man, isn't that great? We, it's okay for us to be honest with God. Sometimes doesn't it feel like that we have no power against whatever is um, uh, up against us, um, nor do we know what to do. There's times that we just don't know what to do. 
But what we can do is just what Jehoshaphat says. He says, but our eyes are upon you. So even though we know that we can't beat this in our own strength, even though we, uh, we don't know what exactly to do, we will keep our eyes on the Lord. Um, and then the Spirit of the Lord uh, came to uh, numerous prophets, and they began prophesying and says, Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. The battle is not yours but God's. Whatever you're going through right now, the battle is not yours but God's. Allow him to guide you through it. Allow him to give you wisdom. Um, tomorrow go down against them and it says you will not need to fight in this battle position yourself stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you and so the the people they go out they actually send the uh, the singers um, to go and they they're, they're kind of uh, all in the same area, and what happens is that the the three countries, Ammon, Moab, and Edom, uh, Ammon and Moab, they decide that they're going to attack Edom, so there's a conflict. They attack Edom, then they begin just attacking themselves, so the coalition completely falls apart and attacks each other. And so the people of Israel, they don't even have to put up a fight. God uh, spoils the attack, um, and it's just really a... a an amazing scene. And this obviously reinforces the people's relationship and trust in God. And it also um, puts puts a lot of fear in the, the countries around Judah that they, they do not uh, dare attack again. And then uh, we see there the end of Jehoshaphat's uh, reign and uh, that he was a good king, um, that he, he, desired to follow God. He actually encouraged the people to follow God, and he set the, an example of following God. All right, that'll uh, get us to the, the end of, uh, of this uh, section. Um, we'll be back on um, Thursday. Let's see, we'll go um, Second Kings. Um, we'll go one. We're going to see if we can go Second Kings 1 through 8. Um, that, that's a lot, may not make it all the way through, but second Kings one through eight. All right. We'll see you on Thursday.